This is the Chapel Real Estate Show, episode number nine. Welcome to the Chapel Real Estate Show, your source for the latest real estate information so you can buy, sell, and invest with the best in Texas. Whether you're a first-time buyer, a current homeowner, or a seasoned investor, you've come to the right place. We're here to simplify all things real estate so you can achieve your goals of property ownership with your hosts, Daniel and Roger Chapel. What's up, listeners, and thank you for tuning in to the Chapel Real Estate Show, your source for the latest real estate information so that you can buy, sell, and invest with the best. I'm your host, Daniel Chapel, And I'm your co-host, Roger Chapel. Thank you guys for uh, joining us on today's show. So today we're going to be talking about some of the tips and tricks that you can do uh, to properly maintain everything that comes along with a home purchase. So we're talking appliances, we're talking major uh, home repairs and things that you need to expect when you're a homeowner. Uh, so that's kind of our topic for the day. So dad, why are you and I qualified to talk about today's topic? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, well, you of course have owned a house for almost six years now. And yep. uh, let's see, mom and I bought our first house back in 94. So do the math on that. And we've owned a bunch of homes over the years. Uh, I don't, I've lost count, truly. I think nine or 10 properties we've had now, something like that. Uh, we currently own five properties. So uh, three of them are rentals. No. Yeah, three of them are yeah. rentals. So with uh, those three, we have issues that, that come up and uh, we just got to handle the maintenance of them. I mean, it's, to me, it's just simple common sense. But I'll tell you some stories here in a little bit that'll tell you how long it took me to learn these so-called common sense things. Yeah, common sense is not so common until you've actually had the uh, the experience, right? I know uh, for me, hopping into to my experience of home ownership, there's a lot of things that don't really cross your mind. I mean, it's you when you're in apartments and things like that, you have the convenience of just picking up the phone and calling a number really quick, and the maintenance guy is going to come out and take care of all your problems. Well. When you're the homeowner, guess what? You are the maintenance man. So, uh, you know, that's kind of the, the fun kicker when it comes to buying a house. So um, super excited to bring all this content to you guys today. We've got a few different uh, major, you know, uh, interior home maintenance uh, uh, things that we're going to talk about, exterior home maintenance. And then we're going to uh, touch on a few of the things that some of the appliances that you're going to have to maintain uh, to make sure that they stay in good working order and, and, you know, save you quite a bit of money on repairs in the future. So, uh, let's go ahead and uh, kick it off with the day's chapel chunk. So I'm going to hand it over to my dad, and he's going to tell us what that is going to be for the day. So today's chapel chunk to me is very simple. Start today and create the habit of doing the regular maintenance on your home. If you start that habit today, then you'll, you'll just know when it's that time of year to change the air conditioner filters, to change the uh, uh, to drain your water heaters and a various number of things that we're going to talk about here. Uh, maybe check your drains to make sure that those are all clear and not, not uh, backed up or, or slowing or things of that nature. There's, there's a number of things we're going to talk about today, but the bottom line is go ahead and create the habit today. So that means whether you're a first time home buyer and you closed on your house last Friday, or you've owned a home for the last 10 years, you may hear some stuff today that you forgot you needed to take care of or that you've been looking at thinking, you know, I really should do this. I'll get to it someday. So today's the day to go ahead and say, you know what? Spring is upon us. The weather is changing. Now's the time for me to go ahead and start taking care of these, these problems. Great. That is great advice. And, you know, there's no time like the present. The longer you let these things, you know, go, the worse they can possibly get. So uh, let's kind of kick things off with the interior of the home because this is a, uh, something that a lot of people have been struggling with. We did an episode a couple of weeks ago about the freeze in Texas, um, plumbing issues and things of that nature that were coming up as a result of the extreme weather that we experienced down here. Um, so let's kind of start with some of the interior stuff. The first thing that typically comes to mind uh, for interior, for me anyways, is gonna be plumbing. And maybe that's because I'm currently dealing with some plumbing issues of my own with, uh, with the washing machine right now. So um, dad, why don't we talk about what are some of the common plumbing issues that you might see um, that, you know, our first time home buyers or, or homeowners might not think of right off the bat? Well, right off the bat, the most uh, common one that I see is toilets. 
people don't realize it, but the toilets get backed up. And it's not just the toilet might get backed up. You may start hearing this little hissing noise where the water is just constantly running. So we forget about the guts of the toilet, the interior pieces. And mind you, I can't tell you the first thing about any of the nomenclature of any of these parts. I don't know. <laughs> but what I do know is how to repair the toilet when it gets all screwed up. And I also know too, when I start into a project, I'll know very quickly whether or not I'm about to bite off more than I can chew because I am infamous for this. So uh, when it comes to the toilet stuff, just listen to it. The toilet may actually tell you that it needs some attention. So listen to it. If it gets stopped up, you, you're just gonna have to call a plumber to do that. Uh, fortunately to, with today's homes, most homes have a lot of clean outs throughout the outside of the house. A clean out, if you will, is just a small valve. Some of them are two inches, some of them are three inches, some of them are just uh, an inch. But at any rate, there are clean outs throughout the exterior of the home where, and the plumber knows where to, how to identify these things and where they're at. So they can pull those clean outs out, they can run the snake through there, unclog whatever problem you have, uh, and you should be okay. Now, if you're on a septic system and you start having uh, septic problems or drainage, uh, that could be an issue where your septic system needs to be drained. My uh, recommendation is that you have it inspected once a year. Uh, you might want to have it drained every two years, uh, sometimes more often than that. It depends on how many people are in the house using that, that uh, the sewage. So that's just uh, on that side of it. Uh, one of the other common things is uh, sink drains, uh, kitchen sink especially. The kitchen sink will get stopped up or backed up. Uh, and, uh, you know, you got to remember your dishwasher and the sink work off the same sewage line. So sometimes uh, they get clogged up. And I mean, if you don't pay attention to it, you're going to have water leaking from underneath the dishwasher. And of course, we're all sitting there like, oh my gosh, I've got a water leak somewhere. Yeah, it might not be a broken pipe. It could be a broken pipe, but most likely it's going to be that there's a blockage somewhere. Uh, so again, that's, that's a plumber issue. I don't deal with dishwashers. Couldn't tell you the first thing about them. I call a plumber, have them take care of all that. Yeah, and I'll tell you from personal experience, plumbing issues always look scarier than they actually are. I mean, we, we had an instance where our, uh, our uh, laundry machine was draining the cycle and it's uh, the, where the drain pipe is at was backed up. And all I heard was, I'm, you know, I'm sitting down watching TV, I just hear spush, and I go running into the laundry machine and I just see tons of water pooling on the floor, rolling into the kitchen. And I am panicking like, oh my God, what's happening, what's happening? freaking out going and looking behind the, wa the washing machine sure enough it's just a quick little clog I you know ran a pipe down there really quick cleared it out and and it went away you know you just have to I mean they always look scarier than they really are so uh you know hopefully uh <laughs> if those kind of issues pop up they're they're more minor than than major and in most cases I feel like that is that is what happens um well, in that case there you got lucky that you were home when it happened so no other major damage occurred after that so that's, yeah that's a good point if you're there, yeah. you, you can prevent a lot of problems. If you're not, uh, it could get bad. Yeah, definitely could. <clears throat> I'll tell you, I didn't realize how big that tub was and how much water it held <laughs> until it was all over my kitchen floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so that's great. Uh, kind of any other plumbing issues? I know we'll kind of touch on septic a little bit more when we get move into the exterior, but any other kind of plumbing issues that may come up from time to time, garbage disposal actually is one that just kind of crossed my mind. You always have to make sure you have that hex key handy just in case it gets jammed up or anything like that. Yeah, that's one. Uh, and for people that don't know, the little hex key is, it, I forgot what size it is, but there's a hexagon key that will fit underneath the uh, garbage disposal. And literally, if you lay on your back and look up to it, you'll see it on the bottom. Then you get the hex key and you start turning it back and forth. And that forces the motor to kind of back and forth, back and forth. Mind you, you do not want the thing on when you do that. Make sure it's turned off. Uh, I personally would go ahead and shut the breaker off because I know me. <laughs> I'm going to shut the breaker off to it so that there's no power coming to it at all. Then I'm going to mess around with it, turn it back on. And, and, you know, most of the time, if you'll move it back and forth, you can break free whatever's in there. Um, you know, sometimes it's a, you'd be surprised what falls down in that drain and gets jammed in there. I've seen nickels. I don't know where, I found one in my own sink, a nickel. 
what the heck? How did a nickel get in there? Lord only knows. Who knows? So you yeah. just never know. <clears throat> okay. Um, so some other interior things, and of course, you know, a lot of this is fresh on my mind because as, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, I'm in the middle of putting my house on the market. It's actually going to be going live here, hopefully within the next 24 hours. But, um, you know, going through the house and, and doing some of the caulking and stuff, um, you know, I kind of wish that I would have maintained it a little bit more because it would, it was a lot of work trying to clean out caulking, get it, you know, removed and then actually replace it. But caulking around your, your bathtubs inside of your shower around your kitchen countertops and behind the sinks, um, you know, around your windows, seals and stuff like that. If you want to, you know, make sure that you're uh, maximizing your energy efficiency and things of that nature. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of a, a big deal for, uh, for a lot of things, actually. Um, yeah. What about anything that comes to mind as far as those things are concerned, Dad? Yeah, actually, one thing that I've seen a number of times, especially in the homes that I walk through here lately, is, you know, our homes today are so energy efficient, especially the newer homes. So what people don't realize is that uh, the home needs to breathe. It needs fresh air, but our homes are so sealed off now that the fresh air is only coming through the front door on occasion maybe coming through the back door on occasion, but then we seal the house off. And you know, since COVID, we've been locked in our houses. A lot of folks haven't been leaving, not because they don't want to, but because they don't want to get sick or anything else. And they've basically just been staying in the house. But what they don't realize is that there's no real fresh air circulating around in the house. Yeah, you do get some from the air conditioning unit, I'll be honest. But I mean, typically it's, it's not true fresh air. So the house isn't able to breathe, so you start noticing condensation. Well, condensation is a could be a sign of a bigger problem, especially around the windows. So when you're looking on the window sills and you start noticing that condensation is beginning to build up along those windows, you're going to have a compromise somewhere. Most likely, it's in the uh, in the caulking around the window. So you might want to check all of that. Uh, and if you do have a compromise, it could be uh, an indication that maybe the house has shifted. And maybe when the house shifts, it'll twist that window just a little bit and it'll create a gap that wasn't there when the house was constructed. And mind you, what people don't realize is that just because a house is sitting on a concrete foundation does not mean it's not moving. That house is constantly moving and it's moving because the ground is constantly moving. And I don't care where you live, the ground is moving. Some, like in California, the ground moves a whole heck of a lot more. <clears throat> earthquakes and whatnot. Here, uh, around at least where we're at, we don't have uh, earthquakes very often. Very, I mean, it's very, very rare. But the ground is still moving to some degree. Boy, the house is going to move along with that. So when that shift happens, you're going to start noticing cracks around the windows and things of that nature. You might pay attention to those. If it's serious enough, you may have some foundation problems. But more than likely, it's going to be something minor uh, because the house does settle. It, that is going to happen. So just expect that. And make sure that uh, you, you check the caulking and uh, the seals around the windows. Yeah. Um, so what are some other, I mean, what are some other maintenance issues that you would consider, um, you know, important for, for homeowners to continuously maintain? Uh, wow. Well, uh, electrical is a big one. So the electrical panels, it's amazing to me the number of electrical panels that I see in homes, especially older homes, that have cobwebs and just all kinds of grud and gunk and whatnot that are just kind of crammed in there. It's amazing to me. Uh, keep those things clean. It's not hard to clean them. Uh, I mean, you can get a blow dryer. Or a, a blow dryer is one way to do it, kind of blow it out. Uh, if you need to wipe it out, wipe it out. Just be very careful. You don't want to get yourself shocked. But uh, those things need to be cleaned out on a regular basis. Dust buildup. Uh, can cause a fire uh, if there's a press, like a, um, an arc. So you don't want that to happen. Uh, additionally, the, um, the air conditioner outside. So you have the condenser unit that's out, outdoors. That's that great big unit. It's got a little condenser in it with a fan. <clears throat> so when that thing goes bad or, or when uh, over time, you'll have grass and dirt and everything else that builds up around it. And there's a lot of electrical lines that go from there go from that unit into the interior of the house. It's very wise to keep an eye on those kind of things. Make sure that the grass is cut short around all of that so that it doesn't interfere. The ribs, you'll see ribs along the side of the, the unit. Uh, after, you know, uh, maintaining your yard, 
the weed eater is going to kick some of the dust up and stuff like that. The fan motor starts, the air is intake right there. So it sucks in a lot of that grass and things like that. You know, over time, you're going to want to wash that down. And the reason you want to wash it and keep it clean is because if it's clogged, the airflow, it, the, the unit has to work much harder to get the inflow of air. However, if you keep those ribs clean, then it's easier airflow. Uh, it's just easier airflow. It makes the unit much more efficient. Keeping the uh, grass and everything cut away from those electrical lines also is a pretty wise thing to do, uh, just for no other reason than a safety thing. Um, um, do you know more or less how long those condenser units last? I know, you know, we recently replaced ours on our AC unit and it was somewhere around, I think, 10 years old, roughly. Um, just kind of a, a question for some of our listeners who might be interested in knowing. You know, uh, parts like that, you just never know. They, they can last five years. They can last 10, 15 years. Uh, honestly, it just depends on the unit. And I mean, who knows what it depends on? I guess usage. Uh, but I would imagine the upkeep too, if you make sure you take care of it, it'll last you a little longer. Right. I was just going to say that. So one of the things that you want to include on your regular maintenance list is regular and continual maintenance of your HVAC system. HVAC is your air conditioner and heater, and you do want that serviced. And, you know, typically this time of year is the best time of year to go ahead and get that started. Uh, or maybe October, November, uh, before Thanksgiving. And the reason being is that there's less demand. Right now, we're coming into the part where, unfortunately, because of the winter, uh, this recent ice storm and whatnot, a lot of our AC folks are just slammed. Uh, but that's an, an anomaly. Normally, that doesn't happen here. Normally, this time of year is a perfect time to go ahead and have your, your unit maintained and serviced. Um, so something else that kind of comes to mind with the AC is, um, you know, in, ensuring that you do the annual maintenance on it. So, um, you know, I didn't realize that that was something actually needed to be kept up with on an annual basis. But, uh, you know, having somebody come through and actually clean out your air ducts uh, to ensure that, you know, as my dad mentioned, when you don't have a lot of fresh air coming in, moisture buildup, that happens inside of your air ducts as well. Um, and, you know, just because it's out of sight doesn't mean it should be out of mind. That's the air that you're breathing. It's filtering the air that you're breathing. So you want to make sure that inside of your ducts are clean as well, that you don't have any, you know, condensation buildup, mold and mildew can build up in there if it gets out of hand. Um, so that's something you want to make sure that you, you know, keep track of. Um, you know, we made that mistake once before and it, it wasn't a, a super cheap fix. So, <clears throat> um, so outside of electrical, um, you know, the caulking, the plumbing, stuff like that, some of the other things that kind of come to mind are like touch-ups. Um, you know, we didn't realize how many different shades of paint existed throughout our house until we had to go and fix some of it. So, you know, the, the, the baseboards and the doors have one color of paint. You're going to have your walls. If you've done your own painting throughout the house, make sure you keep a little bit extra so that you can duplicate that paint in the future if you ever need to. Um, I know we actually had to cut out a little piece of our wall, take it out to Home Depot and have them do a paint match for us so that we could figure out what would get us close enough. Um, so that's always nice, nice to keep handy. Um, you know, extra pieces of trim, you know, for us, we have crown molding, we've done new flooring throughout the house and stuff like that. We like to keep a little bit of the extras just in case you have any damages that occur in the future, you still have something that you can put in and replace. Um, so touch-ups, you know, it's common to think of touch-ups as just paint touch-ups, but touch-ups are, you know, any modifications that you make to the house, it's always a good idea to keep a little bit of extra material on hand just in case you ever need it. Um, you know, even our window seals get chewed up by our dogs every now and again. So you never know what you might need to replace. Um, but moving into kind of the exterior of the home, um, you know, we let's kind of jump into, I guess, foundation, because we already kind of talked about how foundation shifting can cause some other issues throughout the house. So, um, Dad, why don't we talk a little bit about that? So the foundation is probably one of the most expensive um, adjustments you could have made to a home. So, uh, I mean, there's several big ticket items. Of course, your, your air conditioner is one of them. Your roof is another. Uh, but foundation is a major one because that is actually, that does truly affect the structure, the structural integrity of the home. So you want to make sure that the foundation is maintained. So people don't understand. What do you mean maintain the foundation? Believe it or not, your foundation needs water. So the ground around the foundation needs the water. So what people don't realize is that the drier the ground is, the more it moves. When it's wet, it moves less. I know that seems counterproductive, uh, counterintuitive, but it's a fact. 
Uh, it's just a simple fact. So I remember in San Antonio, one of our homes there, I noticed how wide cracks were appearing throughout the entire yard. Well, at the time, I did not have uh, the sprinkler system installed yet. So, uh, I mean, there was no way for me to actually water the foundation. I guess there was, could have walked around with a water hose, but that foundation was already jacked up from the start. I mean, a lot. So what people don't realize is that if you do not maintain that foundation, you don't keep watering it the way it should be. And I, I would always recommend twice a week and it doesn't take long. Uh, I mean, if you've got an irrigation system, that's perfect. Make sure that you water around it uh, for no more than uh, 20 minutes a week. It doesn't take much. Uh, I mean, 10 minutes on each side of the house. That's it. That, that's really all it takes. Uh, twice a week, not a problem. Now, that's not always going to be 100% effective because the ground is still going to move, but it is one way to help. Grass is another, making sure that you have the nice good grass around. Uh, of course, you want to water that on a regular basis as well uh, to make sure that that, that that does what it's supposed to do. Now, if you do start noticing around the whole house, and mind you, I am not a foundation expert, uh, but I have worked, <laughs> I've had some foundation issues to work through, believe me. Uh, and I'll get into a little bit deeper detail here in just a minute on that. But if you start noticing that your, your windows are starting to stick, it's more difficult for them to open. That, that's a problem. If you start noticing cracks along the window sills that are at angles going away from the corners of the window, that might be a problem. Same with the doors. If the doors are starting to stick or they won't close, uh, you start noticing cracks at the, the corners of the, the doors, that could be a problem. Now, you know, a lot of people seem to think that the corner of the bedroom, uh, you start seeing a crack appear in the corner of the bedroom, going from the floor to the ceiling, or maybe uh, the lateral ones across the corners, across the top of the ceiling. Those don't necessarily mean that your foundation is moving. It could be just the house is settling, because it is settling, and it's always settling. You can have a 30-year-old house, it's still going to be settling, as long as it's not major movement. Major movement is when you start seeing some of these other, other problems. On the exterior of the home, you might see that the brick is cracking itself, not just the mortar in between the bricks, but when you start seeing the bricks themselves cracking, that's a foundation issue. If it's just the mortar, it might not be. So uh, you, you, it's always best to have the home evaluated. If you start noticing those signs, have a structural engineer evaluate your home. Uh, and there are a number of foundation companies out there. Make sure that you look for the right one. Make sure you look for the ones that uh, have a really good reputation. You know, in Texas, uh, foundation companies are not regulated by law. So uh, Daniel, you and I could start our own foundation company right now. And I've already admitted that uh, I'm not, I don't know the first thing about foundations in that regard. So I'm probably not the guy that should be starting up a foundation company. But in Texas, they're not regulated, so anybody can do it. So keep that in mind. Uh, a lot of times companies will offer a lifetime transferable warranty. Well, remember, that lifetime warranty is not for the life of the home per se. It's for the life of the company that offers that warranty. So you want to make sure that you find a good reputable company that's been around for a while, or at least has the potential to be around for a while. <clears throat> so kind of keep that in mind uh, when it comes time to do that. Yeah, that's a great tip. Um, and on the subject of foundation, kind of, you know, running hand in hand with it is driveway. Um, you know, I recently just had to get my driveway and back patio leveled. And that's honestly not something that I ever considered to be, you know, a major issue. You know, going through driveways, you see cracks in driveways all the time. And, you know, it's not supporting anything structural per se. So I never considered it to be a big issue. Well, then one day I noticed that, you know, one section of my driveway was sitting about an inch, almost a, an inch, inch and a half below another section of it. And I was like, hold on, this doesn't, this isn't right. And this wasn't like this before. Um, so sure enough, I, I looked it up and had somebody come out and they have this, uh, this polyurethane foam that they can use and they just drill some holes in the concrete, inject that stuff under there, support it, raise it back up. Um, and you know, that honestly, if I'd have known sooner, I wish I would have done it sooner. It probably would have kept my driveway in a little bit better repair, but Hey, you live and learn, right? <laughs> well, and that's one of those things too, that, I mean, think about it. What's the big deal about the driveway, right? Well, number one, if it's all cracked and it's unlevel in various places, it's unsightly. Number two, what kind of damage could it be causing your vehicle? Riding over that sort of stuff all the time. Uh, I mean, who knows? Uh, yeah, it's, the unsightliness to me is enough. 
Yeah, yeah. Especially, I mean, hey, when we're in the real estate business, curb appeal is everything, right? There's three C's, cur- cleanliness, curb appeal, and clutter. So <laughs> it's, it's built it. right in. Um, so we kind of touched on this as well, talking about the foundation is the exterior plumbing. So that's going to mo- mainly deal with kind of irrigation systems, exterior pipes coming out from, you know, the sides of the house and stuff like that. So um, what are some of the things that you can do to, um, I guess, maintain that, that plumbing? You know, we, we touched on a couple of them in previous episodes with the freezing and stuff like that, but let's kind of reiterate some of those. So on the irrigation system, just about every irrigation system that I'm aware of has various zones. So you're not typically going to have uh, an irrigation system that doesn't have multiple zones. Usually you have one for the flower beds. If you got a really tiny system, you might have one for the flower beds and one for the yards and call it a day. Well, that's two zones. If you've got a larger property, you can have, you know, 10, 20 zones. It just depends. So there are ways where you can check uh, each and every zone. And you really want to do this, like, again, right now is the perfect time of year to do that. Have somebody work with you. Get on your little cell phones. Hey, all right, I just turned zone one on. Is it working? Yes or no? You'll know very quickly. Turn it off. Go to the next zone. So what you'll notice is, uh, depending on the type of system you have, you want to make sure the sprinkle heads pop up the way they're supposed to, that they're not blocked by the grass or other dirt or other debris that may have gotten over them over the winter time. So you want to make sure that that all works. Uh, you may also have some drip lines that run through your flower beds. If you've got drip lines, you need to make sure that those are working properly as well. It's not hard to do. Uh, and it, you literally, once you, you, you do this just one time, you get the hang of it, you're like, oh, okay. When it comes time to replace the sprinkler heads, that is so simple. They simply unscrew. You pull them out, you take it down to your local hardware store. Okay, is that what? Okay, great. Screw it in there. And if you know exactly what you're looking for, you can go on Amazon and order them by the, the bulk. So one of the things that, that I keep losing here, all, I don't know what happens to these things, are the covers for the little boxes. Because there's, there's little green boxes around my entire yard for the various zones that I have in my, in my yard. And these boxes will disappear or they'll get cracked or brittle and just, and I'm like, what's, what's going on with it? I'm not out there in the yard all the time doing it. So I don't, I don't know what causes the problem. So anyway, I've got the size that I needed. I went on Amazon and I ordered, I don't know, 20 of them. So now I have a few to last me for a little while uh, because those things really do just disappear. I'm like, what happened to it? It sucked down in there. I, I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, you want to make sure that you have those little covers uh, to cover up the wiring because you don't want the wiring exposed to the elements. Uh, you know, who knows what could happen with them. Uh, if there's something like that does break or it's not working, then you might want to call somebody who does irrigation repair and have them come out and check your system for you. Uh, one of the other uh, plumbing tips that I recommend is make sure you go ahead and identify where your water shut off is for the house. If you don't know where it is right now, you definitely, this is a perfect time to go find it. Go find it, know where it's at, know how to operate it, and then keep you a tool available so that you can shut your water on and off in a moment's notice. You just never know. Just like you were talking about a minute ago, that that, uh, washing machine gets backed up and all of a sudden you've got 40 gallons of water going through your house. I'm telling you, it doesn't take long to cause some serious water damage. You're going to want to shut that water off as quick as possible. My daughter, uh, your sister, woke up one morning, went to bed late, what, 10 o'clock at night. She wakes up the next morning and steps into the water. Turns out that her guest bathroom behind the toilet, one of the water lines broke in the middle of the night. So that water stayed throughout the whole house. They had wood flooring, stayed throughout their whole house almost all night. And it was still continuing to run. It took her a little while to find it. When she found it, she knew how to shut the water off to prevent any further damage. But by that time, honestly, that thing had to have broken right after she went to bed. Uh, but I mean, it's in another part of the house. She had no idea. So of course, the, half the house got flooded out. Not a good thing. Not no. a good thing. So you really do want to know where that water shut off is. It's extremely important. And that is going to be outside the house most of the time. I don't know of any that are inside. There may be, but most of the time they're outside. Find that booger. Now's the time. Yeah. Well, I know uh, maybe for residential properties, I think in most cases it's outside, but I know from my days working in the restaurant and stuff like that, if you have any kind of commercial properties or anything like that, usually those shutoffs are going to be inside up in the ceiling. 
Um, so you definitely want to locate that because you don't want to have to be searching for one of those when you need it. I had to do it once. <laughs> we had a, a filter bust off and it was spraying water. I mean, more than a water hose, like a geyser straight down onto the ground. And it took me about five minutes to find that shutoff valve. Too little, too late. I couldn't even tell you how much water was on the ground. <laughs> <clears throat> well, um, so that kind of covers plumbing, uh, kind of moving along with the exterior of the house. Um, you know, let's talk about siding. Siding comes in all different forms. There's brick, there's mortar, there's um, stucco, there's hardy plank, there's all kinds of different stuff that can be used. Um, all of them bringing up their own issues and, and complications and things that you need to look out for. So um, let's kind of touch on some of those, Dad. Yeah, so uh, I actually helped you with some of this today, power washing the, uh, the back uh, patio. But then I also noticed that some of the side of the house, one of the doors and things like that needed to be washed as well. So you got to be careful when you're using a power washer that you use the proper nozzle. There's four or five different nozzles uh, that are different sizes. There's one that's a super powerful stream. You don't want to use that when you're uh, power washing like a concrete or the siding or something like that that sucker comes out so fast it could cause some serious damage in fact i haven't found a proper use for it yet because uh, i have seen that sucker actually carve out concrete i'm like oh my god look no Team like cutting around. glass or something right <laughs> yeah i mean it literally drew, i mean yeah it's crazy so you really want to be careful with that one but then there's some others that have different angles on them that are perfect for that and it the stream on it is powerful but it's not so powerful that it's going to cause damage to the siding of the house. So that's one of the things you want to do. There's also a number of different chemicals that you can use that are harmless to the environment uh, that you can use to, to help clean them off. Some of them you just kind of spray lightly on, let it sit for a minute, come back through and you can wash it off. Uh, some of them, sometimes you just need the water. Uh, that's typically what I use on a rare occasion. I'll, I'll buy something if I've got like tremendous mold, mold, mold or mildew or something gathered up. Uh, then I might use uh, something. Vinegar is usually the best thing to kill that stuff. Uh, it's natural and yeah, it's not a, not a problem. That stuff will, and that stuff will kill mold and mildew. Oh yeah. Not bleach. Bleach does not kill mold and mildew. I'm sorry, people. Bleach does not work for that. It will turn algae white. It'll turn mold white. It'll bleach it. That's what it does. It doesn't kill it though. But vinegar will wipe that out. It will kill it. I don't know how that works. I'm not a scientist. I just know from personal experience that vinegar works. Here's the uh, kicker. You can consume vinegar. <laughs> right? Crazy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, on the siding, uh, literally, you just want to, to wash it down. Uh, you know, while you're doing that, too, you may notice that you may have some cracks, uh, you know, some seams that come apart, or maybe you've got a couple of pieces of siding that has separated a little bit. Uh, it might be wise to go ahead and caulk some of those areas as well. But you're not, if you're not out there washing your house down, you're not going to notice that stuff. So it's wise to do that. Not only that, you'll start noticing, man, my house looks, looks better when it's clean. Yeah. But you're also going to notice too, and I saw this on a house that I showed yesterday. In fact, the house is only five years old, and the entire exterior, the paint was chipping away. It was fading. It looked pretty bad. I mean, it showed me that the quality paint that was used by that particular builder was a cheap quality paint. So if you're buying uh, your first time buyer and you're buying a brand new home in one of these uh, communities where it's, it's geared towards first time buyers, remember the reason they're able to keep costs low is because a lot of times they use cheaper material, which includes the paint. So it's gonna wear off a little bit quicker than some of the other stuff. So it might be time to start looking at, maybe I need a paint. Uh, so consider that's gonna be a, a pretty expensive venture but that said, it's probably going to be a necessary venture. Uh, and then spend a little bit of extra money to get a good quality paint because you want to be able to power wash your house. You want to be able to keep up with it so that it looks fresh for years to come. Now, I don't care what paint you get. There's no paint that's going to last you, you know, 15, 20 years without needing uh, some attention at some point. It's just the way it is. So, but you can help make it look a little bit better if you use a good quality paint and you keep up with your, your cleaning. I know here at, at uh, my house, I wash outside probably 
at least two, sometimes three or four times a year. It depends. If we get a lot of rain, I'm going to be using that power washer a lot more often because in our backyard, especially, we get a lot of algae that grows because it doesn't get a ton of sunlight because I've got these big bushes. So it stays a little more damp in the backyard than it does in the front. So the dampness is what causes that algae to grow. So I'm constantly having to, to power wash that. But typically, um, I, and I don't use chemicals either. I prefer just to use the water. It's, it's usually uh, sufficient enough. Mm -hmm. I guess I went over enough of that, did I? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Um, so <clears throat> another big ticket item. We've kind of covered a lot of the exterior stuff. This is one that um, is, is, can be a big expense. Um, and in most cases will be a big expense. And I'm gonna lump it in with another item because they typically go hand in hand. So um, roofing and fencing. So typically after storms or things like that, you're gonna to wanna to make sure that you at least check your roofing. Um, fencing is usually lumped in with that because when you file insurance claims, a lot of the time the insurance company is going to lump those in together. They're gonna to say, okay, if you've got roof damage, did the storm cause any damage to your fencing? Does that need to be replaced or repaired as well? Um, so let's kind of touch on some of those things, Dad. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, so that's another really good topic. Uh, when it comes to uh, roofing, so Texas, we're known for our storms. We get some major storms. Uh, but along with those storms, it's not just the tornadoes that might be along with it. It's the hail. The hail causes more damage than just about anything else. So, I mean, just last year, we had a hailstorm come through here uh, and in San Antonio. We got lucky here in Georgetown, uh, the house was fine, but in San Antonio, not so much. Mom's car took a beating. Not only did mom's car take a beating, so did our roof. So the insurance adjuster came out and took a look at the roof and he didn't look at just the roof. He also looked at the windows because that was something I never thought about. The angle of which the, the hail was coming in had caused some damage around some of the window frames. So when those window frames get damaged, sometimes they might be able, they might cause a, uh, a breach in the, the seals as well, uh, which can make them less energy efficient. And you'll know because the, the window will get cloudy. If the window gets cloudy, that seal has been compromised. And it usually happens very quickly. So if something were to happen with hail damage, it could cause a breach in that, uh, in that seal. Uh, they also took, a, we didn't have much of a fence to worry about, but you're right, they do take a look at the fence. And this never crossed my mind, but we had two tool sheds in the backyard and both of the tool sheds had uh, roof damage as well. So all of that was lumped in with that one insurance claim and they took care of all of that. Uh, so that, that was good. Uh, of course, your mom's car took a pounding. <laughs> uh, in fact, they actually totaled her car. I was quite surprised about that. But anyway, wow. that's, a, that's another issue altogether. Yeah, and actually, so, that's the same hailstorm that uh, that caused us to have to get our roof redone. So, I mean, it hit right. a lot of people hard out there. I remember my roofer, I actually met him because he was knocking doors on the neighborhood just saying, hey, you mind if I hop up there, give you an inspection? That hailstorm did a lot of damage. And uh, sure enough, man, I, he did, I think, 16 or 17 of the houses in my neighborhood just from that storm. Yeah, yeah that's a good business to be in after storms. Yeah. <laughs> It's not a good business to be in during the middle of August or September out here. No. No, no. <clears throat> um, all right. Well, uh, let me think. I think, oh, okay, septic. Septic was the other thing. So we kind of touched on some of those uh, earlier. I'm not a, my knowledge on septic is little to none. So I'm going to hand that over to my dad and let him kind of uh, talk us through some of the maintenance things that you can do. I know he's, uh, he's dealt with a few of these before in the past. Yeah, so typically when I have buyers that are interested in homes here in the Georgetown area that are on larger lots, uh, a lot of those are on septic systems instead of public sewage. So uh, with the septic systems, we always want that inspected. And we have a number of septic companies that do that. They'll come out and take a look at it. And they're looking for a number of things. When they inspect it, they lift the lids off of it and they actually look down in the middle of this thing uh, to see what kind of condition the, the septic tank is. So the septic tanks from many years ago were all concrete. Well, concrete over time degrades and roots have been known to, known to grow through these things and break them and, and cause some damage to the septic system. And of course, because it's underground, you don't see it. So how are you gonna know there's a problem? Well, I have seen personally uh, at least two septic systems where had huge root problems growing inside the septic tank. 
Once that happens, uh, most instances, the septic tank has to be replaced. Well, here, uh, to replace a septic tank, you're looking at about eighteen dollars to $20,000. That's a lot of money to replace that septic tank. So you can avoid some of that if you keep up with your regular maintenance. So remember, we said in the very beginning, go ahead and create the habit now. One of those habits is at least once a year, have your septic system looked at by a professional. They will pull the lid off of it. They'll look down inside of it. They'll look at all your connections, uh, things of that nature. They'll make sure that you're, because it has an alarm system on it as well, or it should have. They'll make sure that the alarm system is working because if something happens and it triggers, it'll let you know that there's, you've got a problem. Uh, additionally, uh, they'll check to make sure that the lines aren't clogged. <coughs> Pardon me. And then they'll also, if you request it, can drain all of that. Because uh, trust me, once it gets full, uh, and you know, the, the systems they have today are much different than in the past. So they don't have to be drained as often, but I would still recommend, you know, once, when you have it inspected, why not have them drain it? Uh, it's, a, it's not that expensive in the grand scheme of things. So uh, I think it's worth it to do that. Great. Um, yeah, so I mean, wow, there's there's just so much information for us to cover. Um, I, you know, we've still got a few more things that we want to touch on the appliance maintenance. I think I kind of want to move through it a little bit quicker and we can kind of maybe do a follow up episode on some of the more specific things that you can do um, on each of these or maybe even check out our YouTube channel. We can have uh, some some how to videos. Actually, I, uh, I want to put a little pin on myself. I am basically a plumber. I deconstructed my entire washing machine today to replace the gasket on there. And I want to give myself a little pat on the back there. Uh, but, you know, we may be able to do some uh, how-to videos on some of these things in the future. But um, so let's talk about appliance maintenance. Um, we've touched on a lot of these items already, but HVAC, what are some of the, um, I guess, maintenance, kind of more lower maintenance issues that you need to take care of on a, on a regular basis? So before I jump into that, I want to make a little quick correction. So this little device right here is my how-to. I don't need another, uh, no, uh, my how-to, dial the plumber. That's who I call to come fix my plumbing issues. Oh, I have a roof problem. Dial the roofer. Let the roofer come and fix my roof. I'm not climbing up on the roof anymore. Those days are over. I am not going to try to fix anything. I know me already three times. Three times is usually what it takes me to fix stupid whatever it is and get it right. When in fact, if I were to just call a professional to begin with, I can have it done right the first time and I usually get a guarantee over it. So yeah, no. and I don't injure myself. That's another thing. I'm pretty good about that too. Not only so you breaking are... stuff and making it worse, but hurting myself. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is, is our viewers might not catch you on our how-to videos. No, you will not. Yeah, if you do this, <laughs> hey, Dad, how do I call the plumber? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. <clears throat> All righty. So I'll, HVAC. I'll record the videos for you. How's that? <laughs> hey, I'll take it. Any help I can get. Uh, so, so HVAC, what are some of the, yeah. the maintenance things that you need to take care of on there? So nowadays, uh, our HVAC systems are pretty smart. Uh, they tell us when it's time to change the air conditioner filter. Uh, I know for mine, the unit is upstairs in the attic. And there are these great big things. I only have to change them about every six months. Uh, and then I'll order them by the bulk. I'll order three to five at a time. Uh, when they come in, uh, this thing sends a message. It's time to change it. I'll run up in the attic. I change it out real quick. It's not a big deal. Uh, for most people uh, in older homes, that's not the kind of system they have. They'll have one where the, the returns, and the return is where the actual filter goes. So they'll have returns, uh, maybe two or three of them throughout the house. And it'll be different sizes. And those are a little smaller, thinner filters. Those typically need to be replaced every 30 days. You may have some that say they're six month filters or three month filters or whatever. Uh, I'm just kind of weird about that. I prefer on those systems, go ahead and change them every month. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, my rental properties are like that. And uh, as part of the tenant's responsibility to keep up with that. Uh, the other regular maintenance you want to do for your HVAC system is literally uh, at least once a season or once a year, go ahead and have that uh, system checked. Uh, they can come in, uh, the, the AC tech will come in and make sure that you have uh, the Freon that you need or the, the coolant, whatever there is that they're using nowadays. Uh, and also check to make sure that the condenser and the, and the uh, coil 
are operating in the way that they're supposed to be. If there are any problems, he can tackle them right then. Uh, and trust me, uh, if it costs you 250 bucks to maintain your system, that could wind up saving you 2,500 bucks later on or 3,000 or whatever it is. So it, uh, I would say at least annually have that, that system inspected. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and on the topic of cleaning the, you know, or maintaining the coils and things like that, refrigerators as well. Um, that's one of the things that, you know, you got to make sure you're every now and again up underneath the refrigerator, or I'll say probably most refrigerators, you're going to have a coil that's on the front of the uh, bottom of the refrigerator, a little, you know, cover that can be removed. You want to brush those coils off, make sure that you keep the, you know, the dust off of there to prevent any issues, keep the airflow moving and, and make your refrigerator work at maximum efficiency. And not just that, but you wanna make sure you're changing out your filters on the back of the refrigerator as well. Um, you know, those depending, your filter will tell you how often you need to replace that as well. Um, but uh, yeah, what's a, another, another appliance maintenance thing that comes to mind, Dad, what do you got? So a lot of these front load washing machines, uh, I've heard tons of complaints about how they smell like mold. Well, there's a, a reason for that. You know, the top load apparently drained a little bit differently than these front load machines. So <clears throat> because of that, it creates a little bit more moisture on the inside of them, because, just due to their design. So one of the things you need to do is open them up, dry them out after usage, uh, leave the door open and allow it to, to aerate out. Uh, but they also now have these tablets that you can drop in there where you can run a load without closing it and just have this tablet in there. And the tablet will help uh, kill some of that mold and, and mildew. So that's not a bad idea to do. And I think that is about every, I forget what the cycle is on those. Once a month, maybe? I, I don't remember. A lot depends on the usage. Uh, but I mean, read the product label. It'll tell you how often to use them. Uh, we still use them here. I just don't know what the, the frequency is of it. Mama usually takes care of that. But, so I, I don't know the frequency, but it's definitely worth it to do it. You also want to pull that machine out and make sure you clean the back of it. Uh, every washing machine also has a filter. And uh, Daniel, I'll let you talk about that filter since you have some experience there. <laughs> uh, well, down, uh, down towards the bottom of your, well, I'll, again, uh, on the bottom of my washing machine, I can't speak for your washing machine, but towards the bottom of my washing machine, uh, there's a little door that flips down, a little drain pipe, um, and a little filter that every now and again needs to be removed. And what that filter does is it actually picks up all the debris, right? You, you would think that everything just disappears whenever you wash all your clothes, all the dog hair and everything else that, that comes off of your clothes, it just flows away, right? Well, the stuff that's a little bit too big is going to filter down into this little filter. So um, every now and again, I would probably say at least once a month, you want to make sure that you clean that filter out, especially if you have pets um, that release a lot of dander, you're going to have a lot of hair that's going through your, your washer and your dryer. Um, so you want to make sure that you keep that, you know, pretty clean. Um, not to mention the hair that's left along the inside of the, the washing machine. This is really mostly for, for pet owners, but if you have, um, you know, dogs, cats, any, any kind of pets like that, the washing machine is going to get some hair buildup. And a lot of these gaskets are made out of rubber. Well, the more that hair, you know, rubber and hair are not friends. They stick together like crazy. And um, over time, if you don't, you know, wash your washing machine and keep it clean, that, that can actually cause issues with the seal of, um, of the machine. So you want to make sure that, you know, wash your washing machine, keep that stuff up, uh, maintain, because you could run into some issues. You could run into, you know, leaking water from the front of the, the front load washing machine uh, because the seal and the gasket aren't working properly. Um, so yeah, definitely wash your washing machine basically is the lesson there. Um, and then another, another item that I actually had to deal with earlier or well, uh, last year in, in 2020 around June is our water heater. Um, so the water heater, you, there's, there's some maintenance issues that you need to make sure you take care of. Um, and I didn't realize how often this needs to be done, but you actually have to, um, what is it called? Flush. Right. <laughs> you have to flush your, your water heater. Um, and you have to do it very periodically here in central Texas. We have some of the hardest water in the entire nation. Um, and you know, if you've ever gotten out of the shower and felt a little bit of an itch, or you've noticed the lime scale buildup on, you know, in your shower or around your sinks and things like that, 
um, that's going to be because of the minerals that exist in, in the hard water. So um, if you don't have a water softener that's softening up this water as it's being introduced in your system, then all that same lime scale that you see in other areas of your house is building up on the inside of your water heater. And the more that that calcium builds up on the bottom, the more difficulty your water heater is going to have with actually heating the water inside of it. Um, and it can cause further issues down the line. And actually that's what happened with my water heater. I wasn't aware that I was supposed to be flushing it out um, periodically. And thankfully I had a home warranty that was, um, you know, that assisted me in replacing it. So it only ended up costing me around 600 bucks rather than, you know, I think the normal around 2,500 is what it costs for a unit and, and getting it installed. So, um, but that's, that's another big item that you want to make sure you take care of, because I'll tell you, it's not convenient to be without hot water. <laughs> that's a fact. That is a fact. Yeah, we've both done it a couple of times. Once uh, your house in California, and I think we were without it for about a week and a half, two weeks here, because I wasn't the only person with the issue. So it happens. And those things uh, never go out at an opportune time. It always goes out when you've got visitors coming or some big, like with us, it was Christmas for crying out loud. So yeah. you just never know. I mean, it's going to go when it goes and it's not going to be fun. Yeah, just like your heater is going to go out in the wintertime and your AC is going to go out in the middle of the summer. Just expect it to be the worst time of the year and, uh, and you're going to have to wait in line. So again, it, it can't be said enough. Make sure that you keep on top of the maintenance issues so that hopefully you don't end up in, in one of the situations that we've found ourselves in over the years. That's a fact. Well, uh, that wraps up today's episode, everybody. We were, uh, you know, super excited to share all this information with you guys. It's been great having you. Um, next episode will be our number 10. We're getting into the double digits. We love having you guys tuning into us. It looks like we're actually experiencing a little bit of a growth in the following um, you know, little by little. So share this podcast with your friends, your family members, anybody who, you know, might be interested in purchasing a home is a homeowner, um, anything like that. You know, the, the we're going to be talking about all kinds of different topics about real estate. And I promise you, they will pertain to you. So come back and see us. This is the Chapel Real Estate Show. And we'll see you guys next week. Take care. Take care. Thank you for joining us this week on the Chapel Real Estate Show. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend and leave us a review. Find us on social media at Chapel Realty Group and online at chapelrealtygroup.com. Until next time.